I saw your be good baker running by again the other day, says I to old Mr. Brennan. Ah, yes, says he. I've never seen her stand still. And she's running rings around the rest of us with our Brennan's be good bread. Only 60 calories a slice. 60 calories, says I. That's just a whole meal, is it? No, says he. It's the whole meal, the whole grain, and the waste. 60 calories a slice and high in fiber, whatever way it slices. That's why anything baked is better with Brennan's. Today's bread today. At the Irish Independent, we don't just report the news. We tell the stories written all over Ireland. After all, each struggle, triumph, high and low, leaves a mark that lasts. Irish Independent, written all over Ireland. On this week's Big Tech Show, Ireland's biggest drone delivery company looks set to cover Dublin by the end of the year. MANA boss Bobby Healy tells us about his goal to be one of the biggest companies in the world. We want to win big here. We don't want to be one player of a 500 different drone companies. We want to be the biggest thing the world has ever seen. We want to be in every single suburban household on the planet. To do that, you start with things that are high adoption, high frequency products. You go straight to the coffees and the takeaway food. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Hello everybody, my name is Jesse Baird and we are here at the TV Week Logie Awards. It's making me feel great. It needs a volume control. Does it have a volume control? It's turned up to 11. The name Jesse Bard is a household name in Australia. A 26-year-old man who began his TV career as a teenager when he won a coveted competition to become a reporter on the popular children's TV show Totally Wild. He would go on to host the show Gamify, before joining Network 10 as a roving reporter at their headquarters in Sydney. It was there that Australia got to know and love him. From line dancing in the outback to sharing his lunch with the giraffe, he took on every challenge in his stride with a laugh and a smile. But that all changed on one fateful night last week. It's been a really hard week um, for a lot of us uh, here at 10, right across the 10 network. Um, it's hard to even talk about Jesse in the past tense because Jesse, he was more than just a colleague. He was, he was our friend. February 19th, police were alerted to gunshots heard in the Paddington area of Sydney. Officers would search the home of Jesse Bard and emerge with evidence that led them to believe that the TV star, along with his partner, Luke Davies, had been murdered and thus began a nationwide search for their bodies and ultimately their killer. But what they discovered would shock the nation. An angle grinder waits and a padlock. Today, in an extraordinary update, police have revealed the great lengths they claim a fellow officer went to to cover up the alleged murders of Sydney couple Jesse Baird and Luke Davies. I'm Denise Callanan and today on the Indo Daily, I'm joined by Dara Nolan, reporter with the Irish Independent, to look at how Australia is trying to come to terms with this horrific murder. What drove this horrendous crime? Was it a crime of passion or revenge? And what accountability now lies with the Australian police force? Dara, this is a shocking national news story in Australia. It's quickly made international headlines Take us back to the beginning. Where and how did this all start? So it actually starts as a missing persons investigation on February the 21st. So police began searching for Jesse Baird and Luke Davies uh, when they found possessions of theirs uh, covered in blood uh, in a bin just outside of Sydney. And that's, that's where this investigation begins. 
And the man that's been charged in this case, Bo Lamar Condon, as noted, he's a serving police officer. How did the authorities identify him and how did they capture him? So they didn't actually, he actually came forward himself uh, and he turned himself into Bondi Police Station two days later on February the 23rd. Um, he was then uh, brought before a local court, uh, escorted by police officers and has since been charged with two counts of murder. There was a search of one of the gentleman's homes at the initial stage of the investigation. What did police find? So police conducted an investigation at Jesse Baird's home uh, in Paddington uh, and they did a, a ballistics test there and found uh, a casing from what they believed to have been a police-issued firearm. Um, and there was also a large amount of blood found at the scene. Uh, police alleged that that police-issued firearm was then uh, deposited in a police gun a safe box uh, in a police station in rural Sydney. So there's been a lot happening over the last week, Dara. Can you bring us through the timeline of what what is believed to have happened? So we start two days before the missing persons investigation on the 19th of February uh, and that morning uh, around 10 to 9 local time, first neighbours hear shouting coming from the home and then they hear gunshots uh, which weren't actually reported uh, to the police until a couple of days later. Um, an emergency call was then made from Luke Davies's phone but it quickly was disconnected. Um, a police car was then uh, sent to the home but they couldn't track the source of the call and they couldn't determine where it had come from. So they, they didn't actually enter Jesse Baird's home after that. So then two more days pass and we get to February the 21st. Uh, the possessions belonging to the couple are found bloodied uh, in a bin about 28 kilometres away from the property. Uh, a crime scene is set up at Jesse Baird's house and they find a significant amount of blood and upturned furniture there as well. And then that casing that they believe comes from the work-issued firearm of Lamar Condon. They then allege that he had spent a number of days, Lamar Condon had, moving around the state of New South Wales, trying to cover his tracks. Uh, a couple of innocent acquaintances of his were kind of brought along to, to help him. And then in the hours following the deaths, uh, police believe that he had hired a van to dispose of the two bodies and that he actually sent messages from, from Jesse Barrett's phone himself telling friends that he was planning to make a move to Western Australia. What happens then is a property in Bungonia, which is an area outside of Sydney, uh, is searched and they learned that he had allegedly, Lamar Condon had allegedly visited that property with a woman who they believe was innocent. Um, he severed a lock on a gate and he left the woman, drove the van further into the property and came back about half an hour later. He wasn't initially cooperating with police following turning himself in on Friday the 23rd of February, but the following Tuesday then he begins cooperating with them. But after talking to a new lawyer, the 28-year-old cop agreed to meet two detectives in Silverwater Prison and he decided to speak. Those detectives had to go get access to a computer and for him to point exactly where the location of the two deceased were. Within minutes of that conversation, they were found along a fence line near a road. So Dara, unusually enough, the bodies of the two men weren't found until four days after Bo Lamar Condon was charged with two counts of murder. Where were the two bodies discovered and in what condition, can I ask? So a crime scene had been set up at that property, which is about 160 kilometres southwest of Sydney. Uh, the two bodies were found in surfboard bags. 
And the New South Wales Police Commissioner had said that the discovery of the bodies uh, had been made with uh, the help of Lamar Condon. Um, so the bodies were found under a fence at a driveway on that property. And it looked like someone had tried to cover them up with some rocks and, and some other debris. The victims at the heart of this tragic story, Jesse Baird and Luke Davies, what do we know about them, Dara? So Jesse Baird was actually a very well-known uh, personality on Australian television. Uh, he was a presenter with the Network 10 station, um, worked on hosting a couple of popular game shows over in Australia. Okay, the final challenge of the day. We've made it, which is really surprising considering me and my efforts. But what exactly are we looking at here? Right, so we're looking at the ultimate high ropes course. So this course More recently, he was known for being a, an umpire in, in Australian rules football in the AFL and had won a couple of awards over the last few years for that work. Uh, and his, his boyfriend, Luke Davies, was a flight attendant um, himself, and Jesse Baird had only been going out together for a few months uh, prior to their deaths. And the both of them had actually just recently moved to Sydney. Looking at their Instagram accounts, rather tragically, it showed that they were a very happy couple. Uh, Jesse Baird's last post that he shared on social media was the two of them together just a few days before they died at a, at a Pink concert. And Luke Davies had posted pictures of them together on, on Palm Beach, very idyllic setting. So it looks like they were very clearly a, a happy couple in, in the early stages of a, of a happy relationship, which really makes the story all the more heartbreaking. What has the reaction been to their deaths? Yeah, so as one would expect, the families were, of course, devastated by the news. And then the police commissioner of New South Wales talked about the relief that they felt when the bodies were finally discovered four days later. But but yeah, you're right. There has been an outpouring of grief for, for Jesse Baird in particular because of his profile. Well, finally tonight, we want to pay tribute to our friend and former colleague, Jesse Baird. His murder, alongside that of his partner, Luke Davies, has rocked Network 10 and our hearts go out to their families and friends. We want to celebrate Jesse for the man he was and not the way he died. Here's how we remember him. Amazingly talented, funny, beautiful, inside and out, and forever loved and missed. The head of Paramount in Australia and New Zealand paid tribute to him and spoke about what a kind and warm and, and generous and giving person he was and that his presence really made other people feel special, which is a very touching tribute. Um, the Australian Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese as well, um, has talked about what a terrible tragedy this was and extended his condolences. And he's also talked as well that it's a very difficult time for the Australian LGBTQ plus community because of a tragedy like this where, where a gay couple have been, have been killed. A vigil was held in Sydney by a lot of Luke Davies' friends and, and to kind of add another layer of tragedy to the story, he was a flight attendant and had just gotten a dream job of his as an international flight attendant for the Qantas airline and uh, seemingly it really lived his life for, for his love of travel and, and his friends spoke about that at that vigil as well. The man that's allegedly at the centre of this case, Bo Lamar Condon, he's now been charged with both their murders. What previous connection did he have to the couple? So members of the New South Wales police are alleging that there was some sort of a relationship between Bo Lamar Condon and Jesse Baird and that it was a kind of an off-again, on-again relationship and they will allege in court that it didn't end well and that a possible motive for the crime would have been that he was jealous of the couple. 
A lot of Jesse Baird's friends speaking to Australian media, though, have been very quick to come out and say that Jesse Baird would not like to hear that people were saying that he was an ex-boyfriend or an ex-partner of Bolamar Condon and that it was actually quite a disrespectful thing for the media to say and, the, and that the family feels quite disrespected. Lamar Condon, his own background, he served as a member of the police force, but his own um, life is rather unusual for that of a policeman. So he's been a policeman for the last five years, going back to 2019. But before that, he had a bit of a profile, rather bizarrely, as a kind of celebrity blogger. Um, so from his late teens and his early 20s onwards, he would kind of try and rub shoulders with big name stars. Probably most notably, it was at the 2015 Golden Globes. He was seen alongside the likes of Miley Cyrus, oh, wow. Harry Styles, Taylor Swift. So really, really big names. He was in that space and very much exaggerating how much he was really rubbing shoulders with these people. Um, going back a year previous to that in 2014, uh, he posted a picture on his Instagram with Justin Bieber and kind of led to believe like, oh, I'm hanging out with Justin Bieber backstage. But you can see from the picture, Justin Bieber is completely disinterested. And then another notable brush with a big, really big name as well in 2014, Lady Gaga touring in Australia and uh, Bola Marcondon basically tells Lady Gaga that you inspired me to come out as gay to my parents. Uh, he throws a note to her while she's on stage telling her that and the advice that she had given him uh, on a prior visit had basically been, you know, tell them and they'll love you for who you are anyway. Um, and I suppose unfortunately for him that wasn't fully the case. Um, his mother uh, did accept him for who he was but it led to a fractured relationship with his father and it's believed that he and his father Raymond uh, didn't really have any communication from from that point when he came out all the way up to now. So he definitely courted publicity more than the average police officer Dara. Did he come from that kind of extravagant background himself? No, he really didn't. He had a very normal life and very normal upbringing for all intents. Um, his mother, Colleen, also a former police officer and um, his father, Raymond, a security guard. Uh, they separated when, when he was young, when he was in primary school. Um, he had one sister who has a bizarre story of her own. I suppose she was a radio dispatcher for the New South Wales Police, uh, but she was sacked from that job after refusing to take the COVID vaccine while she was pregnant and then brought that before the Industrial Relations Commission. That dispute was was dismissed, though. And then there's another uncle, aunt, and, and their children as well that uh, his sister Jamila was close to, and it's thought that he might have been close to that side of the family as well because it's believed that he actually might have visited that uncle uh, just before turning himself into the police on February the 23rd. The fallout since Dara, New South Wales police have come under fire for their investigation. Why is this? So... The first thing really is questions around the access that police officers have to their firearms while they're not on duty. The police commissioner of New South Wales, Karen Webb, has said that during the investigation, uh, she was not aware as to whether he had an approved firearm at, at his house. And she'd said that clearly something's gone wrong. They're going back and reviewing the tests that Bola Marcondon would have taken in 2019 when he decided to enter the police force. And that includes literacy, reasoning, psychometric tests. And there are several hundred questions in that psychometric test around lots of things like addiction, mental health, antisocial personalities. And then if it flags a result that might prove problematic, uh, those are reviewed then by a psychologist. Was the accused man tagged 
as a high-risk police officer? That will form part of the investigation um, because we will look at his recruitment file, his history in the organisation, and it might even go back further than that. But an interesting wrinkle really is that the New South Wales Police has a shortage of about 1,500 people at the moment. Departures are far outstripping arrivals into the police force there. So questions have been raised about whether is the bar of entry too low for someone to, to enter the police force there in New South Wales. Dara, it seems extraordinary to even say this given the grim circumstances. But she comes up everywhere and there is a bizarre Taylor Swift connection of sorts here. One that has really upset a lot of people. What's the story here? Yeah, it seems we can't really escape no matter where it is in the culture. A Taylor Swift reference at the moment. But uh, the New South Wales Police Commissioner Karen Webb was asked about that handling of the case and, and how it's maybe been handled poorly so far. And quoting Taylor Swift's hit song, Shake It Off, says... There will always be haters. Haters like to hate. Isn't that what Taylor says? Within minutes, Taylor Swift memes were circulating among police. When a commissioner of police starts quoting Tay-Tay in the middle of a very serious murder investigation involving one of her own officers, that says it all. She then tries to kind of clarify it and say, oh, this is, of course, a complex matter, and all we need to do now is find Jesse and Luke when their bodies hadn't been discovered so their families know where they are. That's my priority. So kind of trying to... Backtrack. May maybe realising in the moment, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that, and and trying to, um, trying to backtrack, as you said, but, I mean, the damage was already done at that point. And she also upset people in how she initially described the crime. What happened there? Yes, yeah, so... She initially described that crime as a crime of passion. Um, that's upset people for a couple of reasons. First of all, uh, similar to uh, the legal system in France, um, something like this being a crime of passion can be a legitimate legal defence if it's seen that there was extreme provocation. Uh, in Australia, that could lead to a defence where Bolomar Condon wouldn't uh, be found guilty of murder, but would be found guilty of manslaughter instead. So there's a legal issue. Uh, lots of people um, campaigning for domestic abuse survivors have come out very strongly against this because she clarified that statement and said, oh, the reason I said it was a crime of passion was to explain that it wasn't being treated as a gay hate crime, but as a domestic issue. But that creates another problem because what these campaigners are saying is this language really doesn't help us. Violence is always a choice and it's never the right choice. And it kind of takes away from the crime. And these campaigners have said, look, a murder was committed here and this language really, really takes away from that. And also, I suppose there's a significant opposition now from the LGBTQ plus community now in New South Wales as well, Dara. There's a criticism of the police. Yes. So I suppose kind of similar to... Debates that we would have here in Ireland about whether members of the Guards should participate in pride parades. Um, Sydney is having its famous uh, Mardi Gras parades that just took place over the weekend. Um, and it's been decided that uh, members of the police force from New South Wales uh, won't be taking part in that. The police have marched in the Mardi Gras parade for more than 20 years, but last night their invitation was withdrawn over senior constable Bola Marcondo. Organisers saying that a police presence could intensify the current feelings of sorrow and distress. 
It's obviously, like the Australian Prime Minister said, a very sensitive time for members of the LGBTQ plus community in Sydney. And this is actually for the first time since the police first participated in, in that event since 1998 that they didn't participate in it. Um, they did kind of reach a middle ground where they just wouldn't have uniformed officers uh, taking part in the festivities. And what they decided to do instead was have a group that could be there and say, we're here and we're supporting and showing our love for uh, members of the LGBT plus community. And we are also members of the police force. They've been identified by a banner. And I think that's kind of trying to take away the visual of the blue uniform uh, being seen, it's probably not the right time for something like that. So I suppose it's good that they've at least reached some sort of a compromise there. Finally, what is the status of the case now and that of Bo Lamar Condon? So Bo Lamar Condon hasn't applied for bail uh, and it's been adjourned to April the 23rd and that's to give police uh, time to put together a brief of evidence it was reported by ABC News over in Australia that the police commissioner, Karen Webb, had said that he would be served with a show cause notice in prison. And that's the first step that they're taking in order to remove him from the police force entirely. My thanks to Darren Nolan. I'm Denise Callanan, and today's episode of the Indo Daily was produced by Garrett Mulhall, researched by Dave Hanrity and sound by John Smith. Archive clips were from 7 News Australia, 9 News Australia, ABC News Australia, ABC News In-Depth and The Guardian. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to follow our podcast and leave us a review. I saw your Be Good Baker running by again the other day, says I to old Mr. Brennan. Ah, yes, says he. I've never seen her stand still. And she's running rings around the rest of us with our Brennan's Be Good Bread. Only 60 calories a slice. 60 calories, says I. That's just a whole meal, is it? No, says he. It's the whole meal, the whole grain and the waste. 60 calories a slice and high in fibre, whatever way it slices. That's why anything baked is better with Brennan's. Today's bread today.